It's Farmer Friday on Ag PhD Radio. Oh, I don't know about you, but I am excited that it's Friday. Well, for a lot of reasons. Got a big football game coming up on Saturday that I'm excited about, but uh, mostly, hey, we made it through another week and got a lot of stuff happening on the farms right now. On our farm, super busy out in the fields. Got some manure applied this past week, a cover crop that's looking pretty darn good and catching a little bit of rain right now. I'm trying to stay positive when it's raining during harvest season. I know that could be hard sometimes. Uh, If you want to talk about what's happening on your farm or if you've got an agronomic question, today's your day. We'd love to hear from you. Our phone lines will be open all throughout the show at 844-44-AG-PHD. Of course, you can always email us to radio at agphd.com is the address. Got a a few soils to look through here. And uh, I don't know, our farm... We've done a lot of soil testing. We've poured through the data. I don't enjoy seeing how much the fertilizer is going to cost to put back what we took out, but we actually had some pretty good yields in some of our ground. And one of the big things I was just talking with our research lead, Glenn, this morning about why did certain fields jump forward this year? Why did they out-yield fields that we thought might be even a little bit better a lot of it came down to organic matter levels and just the, the soil that we're working with. If we can hold more water, we've got a much better shot this time of year. The other thing that we've done that I think was a really big move a, a number of years ago now was build up our zinc levels, where we've got good levels of zinc, which is known to help the plant regulate water. We did much better on this dry year. We held in there a lot longer. And I I know we've talked to a lot of farmers this season again that said, hey, I've upped my zinc program, and every time I've done it, it's moved me forward. And the other nutrient I'd say that was really the big one this year that a lot of folks were talking about was sulfur, where we had more sulfur. We just did better. We were more efficient with the nitrogen use, and whether it was corn or soybeans, honestly, we... We did much better where we had better sulfur levels. So on your farm this year, what are you doing to measure that? That That's one challenge I'd give you. A lot of farmers say, well, I sample every third or fourth year. Or, well, my fertilizer dealer comes out and pulls some composite samples for me. Guys, those, those days are done. They, that's just not good enough now. We know what we know. And what we know is if we've got more data, we can manage things more closely And with precision agriculture, we could save a lot of money on fertilizer by doing so. It is more work pulling the soil samples. I give you that because I have done that myself. My kids have done that. They actually don't mind it too bad as long as the weather's good. But it's a lot of work. But the data we get is worth so much money. I look at what our fertilizer bill is going to be for what we have to replace this year. Yeah, the time we spent pulling soil samples... It's going to be a several hundred dollar an hour job on our farm. It's that important. And there are areas of fields that we may not have to put a whole lot back. And there's other areas that we're going to have to put more than we thought. Now, this doesn't mean our total fertilizer budget is going to be higher. I would argue it's actually going to be a little less than if we did the blanket rates. In fact, that's a good exercise. I should should put that test to Brian and just say, just tell me blanket rates if we are still broadcasting one rate of nutrition out there across a field. You figure out what that blanket rate is, and then we'll see what our variable rate application calls for. I'm almost certain that it's going to be a lower amount of fertilizer that we're going to put out there and less dollars total, but we're going to put it where we need it and where we can get the best return on investment. 
So that's something that I would challenge all of you to, to do, even if it's just one field this year. Pull some soil samples on whether it's a one-acre grid or two-and-a-half-acre grid or a very small zones. I, I don't care which one it is, but try and narrow things down a little bit so you can do some variable rate. And then just price it both ways. If you're working with a fertilizer dealer, just say, okay, what would you recommend in this field? Here's what my average yield was that came off. Here's what I'm going to put in next year. Here's what my guess is for that yield. And they'll give you, well, hey, here's the blend we'd use, and here's how much it would cost. Then figure out with your samples, what do I actually need, and set up a variable rate map. It's been very noticeable, the difference. I know one farmer uh, not too far away from here, 15 miles away or so, it was it was $5,800 difference in one field. They're like, wow, that made a huge difference on my farm. And if, if you can save that much money on each field and invest those dollars more wisely, wow, that's going to not only save you money on the front side, but make you more money on the yield side. So that's exciting. A couple other things that we're working on on our farm. One has been compaction management, and this is a trial in progress. So we had some ground that was pretty hard. Compaction definitely hurt our yields in, in spots this year. So we thought, okay, let's get out there. Let's get after it early. And we, we got out there and we, we ripped through that ground, tore up the, the compaction zone, and then put a cover crop over the top of it immediately. Well, some of that were coming back with manure application. And you, know, you think, oh, yeah, they're doing tillage. Everything's going to be fine. They're injecting the manure down deep. What we found last year is they create some compaction too. They're running heavy equipment out there. They're turning around, you know, multiple times out in the middle of the field. We need to look at that real hard on our farm this year. So some of that ground, we may go back in after the manure application and do some more tillage if we have to in certain areas to break up that compaction because it hurt us this last year. I know Brian's not too excited about that. Neither am I. I don't like doing tillage. I'd prefer to do as little tillage as possible, but it's something we got to be real about. We got to get out and check and I'll be fair. Uh, and I, I don't know if it was lazy or just, uh, I was, I convinced myself it wasn't a problem, whatever it was. I didn't get out and check after they were running around last year and I'm not complaining. I think they did a pretty decent job applying the manure. They're just doing their job. But if they created compaction, we've got to get that fixed in time. So our seed next year has the best chance to thrive. And you look at the root system differences. I, I just had a, a group of young agronomists I was doing some training with on Wednesday. And we dug up some some corn just right at the Ag PhD field day site. And I had roots that were about four inches deep. It about made me puke. And you wonder, huh, why did that plot struggle more than others? Well, that just happened to be where there was a lot of traffic. Got to fix those things out on the farm if you want to be successful because they can certainly rob a lot of yield. Well, compaction's on my mind. What's on yours? I'd love to hear from you. Our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD. Hey, Fred, how's harvest coming? Well, got to take care of my STDs. Your what? <laughs> my soil transmitted disease. Got white mold spreading in my bean fields again. Foliar fungicides alone just aren't cutting it, and I can't seem to get rid of it. Fred, get ahead of the spread. My agronomist highly recommends Contans WG from Sipcam Agro. It's definitely your solution to control white mold at its source. Huh, thanks, Joe. I'm calling my retailer today for Contans WG. 
You've done it. Your yields are on the rise. But when it comes to marketing, are you falling short? Invest in yourself with Agris Academy. Agris Academy is offering a first-of-its-kind masterclass in commodity merchandising and risk management. Learn the best practices and tactics of the world's leading risk managers and apply them to your farm. Contact your buyers with a new confidence and boost your farm's profitability. Agris Academy's 10-week masterclass begins this November and is hosted on Acres TV. Sign up today with early discount code ACRES at agrisacademy.com. This season, get medieval on Rhizoctonia with the powerful protection of Excalia fungicide from Valent USA. Here to shield your sugar beets from the treachery of Rhizoctonia, Excalia delivers excellent staying power, keeping your sugar beets from being conquered. Stay one step ahead of Rhizoctonia with the powerful protection of Excalia. Ask your retailer or visit valent.com slash Excalia to learn more. Always read and follow label instructions. Get more durability for less downtime with Soil Warrior Strip Tillage from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and reduce passes and fuel usage. Now that's ROI. Learn more about ETS at SoilWarrior.com. Get more points with the end zone from Farm Shop MFG. In a 20,000 bushel soybean bin, gaining three points of moisture adds the equivalent of 900 bushels to your bottom line. Call 712-520-6051. Listening to Ag PhD Radio on a Farmer Friday. Our phone lines are open all throughout the show. If you've got an agronomic topic you'd like to discuss, it's 844-44-AG-PHD. Let's head down to Louisiana. We've got Dustin on with us right now. Dustin, how you doing? I'm good. How about you? Well, it's getting cold up here, Dustin. We're already seeing some mornings down in the 30s and 40s. Uh, Got some daytime highs coming up here in the 50s. So I'm thinking Louisiana sounds a little better than that to me. I tell you, we uh, last Saturday and for a few days after, we finally got some nights in the 50s and highs in the 70s. And we thought, you know, we were in heaven. Uh, It had been a, a, a sauna here for six months. So. Um, you might want to be here, but I kind of want to be there. (laughs) Well, we were hot this summer too. We were exceptionally warm. We accumulated growing degree units so fast that guys are saying already here it is the, uh, what, 13th of October and man, the corn's too dry in the field and the beans are too dry in the field already. So that's, that's a little early for us. Normally guys are wrapping up around Halloween, but there's a lot of folks that are close to wrapping up already. Wow. Wow. How about yeah, for you? What's what's happening in your fields? Man, we're uh, we're really uh, we've been super dry for a long time. So we finished up harvest about three weeks ago, and um, and we were doing tillage along the way, and we're really kind of wrapping up the tillage. Honestly, we need a rain um, to to finish doing some, you know, to get this ground to work right. Um, so we're we're, we're piddling, but uh, everybody's working, but we're not really breaking our backs at the at the moment so things have slowed down a lot when it comes to to crop rotation and mix did you cover crops at this time of year is there any kind of winter crop that that folks in your area put in or is it just getting everything set up for next spring's crop you know i'd say um there there are some cover crops um it's not a high percentage by any stretch most everybody is just getting uh everything set up for the spring to just get as much work that can be done in the fall or you don't have as much pressure on you in the spring 
uh, to do tillage work. So sure. there are some some cover crops. I've planted maybe a thousand acres um, of cover crops, and um, but not you know there's not just a whole terrible bunch around. You know, we had a hot, dry year up here, and we've got some rolling hills. Our low ground actually yielded pretty good. Our hills were not good at all. Uh, how about for you? You guys had the heat and everything there, too. Uh, did you see up and down yields, or were they more consistent where you were at? We saw yields that were very um, dependent on plant, planting date. Um, the corn that was planted early, early March, you know, around the, the 5th, was very good and as you got deeper into March the yields got lower and lower and lower and we had we had a lot of uh, corn that we had to replant that got planted in the 25th 26th 27th and uh, we took about a big bushel yield hit on the, on the replant corn so um, it was bearable but really just bearable based on planting date more than anything very interesting. Yeah, I know for here too, we, we try to, to push to the early side and with the dry year, the earlier planted stuff in general did better up here as well. Uh, how about on soybeans? Do guys do guys go super early on soybeans or do they wait till corn is done where you're at? Well, here, everybody waits till the corn is done, but we're certainly seeing the trend that I read about that everybody else is seeing too, that the earlier beans um, to a point are, are better. I mean, we've never pushed them to say plant them on March the 1st or anything like that, but the beans that we plant, um, you know, the last few days of March seem to always be our highest yielders. Um, you know, one of the big things here is is we kind of look at the, the harvest side of it because you can look up and have everything ready. And uh, in our environment, you don't get long to cut a soybean. Um, they'll, they'll get so dry so fast, they'll start popping. Or potentially, you know, some sort of a low pressure system. Um, and with all the heat that we have, they rot very fast. So, you know, we have to be conscious of having everything ready at one time. So a lot of times we'll stage the harvest with the planters. Sure. Sure. Hey, how about maturity groups too on soybeans before I leave that? I, I've heard there's a trend as, as we head South in the United States for guys to shorten up maturities and maybe a place where you could go a lot later being you're planting a mid four or something like that. Or some guys even planting earlier maturities than that. What do you plant in your area? And has that changed over the last few years? You know, probably over the last 20, it's gotten shorter, but you know, for we're, we're a four, eight, I mean, excuse me, 4.4s up to 4.9s. You, you rarely hear of anybody planting anything in the fives. Um, but the highest yielding beans that that we have are 4.4s four to 4.9s and an occasional 4.3. But um, not really anything any earlier than that. Seems to give up some, some of the top-end yield potential with the real early maturing varieties. Yeah, you would think it would be easier to farm where you're at, but it actually makes things a little more challenging. Uh, sorry to hear you had such a dry year. Hopefully you guys catch some rain here too. No doubt, no doubt. Well, good talking to you. You bet. Good talking to you as well, Dustin. Thank you so much. All right, bye. Let's head out to Wisconsin. Got Todd on with us right now. Todd, how you doing? We're doing good. Sounds like you guys are rolling. Yeah, we uh, actually finished Beans Monday and uh gonna wait just a little bit on the corn here and uh but hopefully in the next week or sometime next week get started on corn 
Awesome. Well, it's such a good feeling. Once those soybeans are out, and I kind of echo Dustin's thoughts that it seems like when soybeans are in the field, they're just waiting for something to go wrong. So when they're in the bin, I feel a lot better. Definitely, because this far up north, you can get a late October snow or just like the wind we had the last couple days, and you just never know. Oh, man. Yeah, that wind has been something, no doubt about it. We've we've caught a little bit of moisture from it. Uh, Do you guys catch any of that rain, too? Yeah, like two weeks ago, we got about four inches, and uh, so far in this wrist storm, we've gotten about an inch out of it, so not quite as heavy as they're talking, which is fine, And uh, but it's at least putting something back in the ground because it was so brutally dry this summer. We went from planting, and we finished planting May 6th, and it never rained till June 19th. Wow. It was, uh, if, if you didn't plant before the 10th of May, there's guys that had seed laying in the ground that were planted around Memorial Day that didn't come up, period, at all. Yeah, yeah, that is nuts. I, and, you know, it's kind of like Dustin was saying, too, the early planting date helped, and it, it certainly did for us as well. We had some snow melt, and we thought, oh, boy, we're going to be in great shape here, but that went away awfully quick. Yeah, I honest to God, for the last, like, six years, that's been about the easiest five bushels we've gained on soybeans is just planting as soon as we possibly can. We run one planter in corn and one in soybeans just to get catch that early planted soybean date. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Okay, so talk to me about white mold and disease and that kind of thing because Wisconsin is a tough place to grow soybeans some years. Was it dry enough that wasn't a big concern this year or did you still see some of it? No, you would have thought that it was plenty dry, but uh, we got about three inches of rain in our area on like June or August third, and uh, while the, we there was a ton of white mold that come in, it come in later on our stuff, but uh, it was very very prevalent. In fact, uh, we had three contest fields for the, and uh, one of the fields had white mold in, and that uh, drew the yield down into the low seventies, which for this area in wisconsin is still really good but you could just it just the black leaves that hung on the plants it just it it really did hurt it yeah we saw some areas over here where we had a lot of charcoal rot and yeah it was it was just crazy we thought what in the world how did we get a whole bunch of disease this year but uh it still still happened around our region with all the stress we had we had heat and then of course when we did finally catch the moisture it was just just waiting for those kind of things to happen. How about the corn? Now, you mentioned you're waiting on the corn. Everything's standing good? Everything looking good? Yeah, everything looks pretty good. Um, I don't think the corn's going to perform quite as good as the soybeans did. Um, just there's a lot of 14 rounds on our, our corn this year, and some of that could be hybrid specific. But we were so dry when it was setting the number around that it just it was just inevitable, I think. And I mean, the, the brace roots, the ground was so hard they were growing across the top of the ground they could not find a spot to go down we had a little bit of that too where they started and they just turned around and said no <laughs> that's yeah, it, that's no it fun. ain't worth the effort but uh well Todd, I, I don't know i'm i'm hoping for maybe just an average corn yield but uh after the beans surprised us the way they did uh, you, you just never know i guess no that's for sure well good luck to you todd thanks for calling in stay tuned we'll be right back It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. 
To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. It changes everything. So says Indiana corn grower Nathan Davis about innovative Zyway LFR fungicide from FMC. Zyway brand fungicides are the first and only at-plant corn fungicides to provide unprecedented, season-long, inside-out foliar disease protection. Discover more grower and retailer success stories at zyway.ag.fmc.com. Always read and follow all label directions. Because the challenges you face are getting bigger every year, BASF is committed to helping with more than boots on the ground. We're committed to boots in the mud, boots on the steps of your truck, your tractor, your combine, the linoleum tiles of your coffee shop, the concrete of your co-op, the gravel in your shed. So we can listen, learn firsthand, help right now to ensure success. BASF, helping you do the biggest job on earth. Effortlessly manage your farm fertility with Verify. Verify takes yield data directly from your combine and instantly generates variable rate fertility maps based on your nutritional goals. Whether it's building soil, balancing nutrition, or maintaining fertility. And with full integration with John Deere Operations Center, Verify can send recommendations directly to application equipment, no matter the color. Join Verify today at Verify.com and keep your farm moving. Precision crop nutrition pays. And AgroLiquid has precisely what it takes to help you succeed. The right products plus the right expertise to give you guidance based on your soils, your fields, and your goals. While our clean, seed-safe formulations and lower application rates make planter fertilizer easier than ever. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. In 1923, Bert R. Benjamin had a vision, an all-purpose tractor that could do more. With that, the Farmall was born. This year, Case IH is celebrating 100 years of Farmall, 100 years of milestones, 100 years of innovation, passion, grit. And they're doing it through your stories. Share them at Farmall100.com. One lucky storyteller will win their own Farmall, the tractor that is the one for all. Farmer Friday on Ag PhD Radio. We're broadcasting from the Morton Studios and taking your calls and questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. Let's head down to Iowa. we got Pat on with us right now. Pat, how are you guys coming down there? Oh, uh, a little wet today, but uh, that's a good thing, I guess. Yeah, it's unusual. It's been a while since we've been able to say that. Yeah, yeah, hardly recognize it. So how's harvest going in your area? Um, got a good day, maybe a day and a half left, and should be wrapping things up when it dries off here next week. Kind of a little bit uh, lower yields than we'd like, but better than expected, I think, is what everybody's saying. So, yeah, I I say better than uh, better than we deserved on our farm this year for sure. We we didn't have enough rain. We thought, ah, oh, boy, it's going to be worse than it turned out to be. So, yeah, you're right. It wasn't a bin buster, but but uh, a little better than what we were worried it might be. 
So on your farm, what happens next then? You get the harvest done. Is it tillage? Is it fertility, manure? What are some of the next things? Yeah, so I'm a no-tiller, but we uh, have a one farm needs soil samples. We're kind of holding off, and we got good two inches of rain here, so I think uh, we ought to get some accurate samples. So pulling soil samples next. Sure. Yeah, that was a challenge. I know for us, uh, uh, when we first got started, we just hadn't seen any rain. We've caught a couple of those shots now, and uh, the, the ground's much, much better to work with. But it was it was pretty powdery dry there when we first were going to try and start. Yeah, no, no worries about compaction this year, I guess. Yeah, yeah, different, different year for sure. No doubt about that. You know, with the. Uh, with uh, fertility work and that type of thing, do you do much of that in the fall? Do you like to do it with the planter? How do you do things? Well, fertility, I, I put on uh, the P and K in the spring and then um, do some liquid with the, the planter and then side dress anhydrous. So okay. That seems to be a program that works for me with the no-till. I used to use um, all liquid and kind of seemed to run out in July and August, so switch back to anhydrous and that's that seems to be a real key to the whole deal awesome awesome yeah it's a it's a nice form of n you just got to be careful on the safety which you're well aware of uh, you know one other thing that i think might even be a good thing about that when you mentioned side dressing anhydrous i thought i wonder if that kills off rootworm larvae that'd be about the yeah, right no, time where they'd be out there yep that's the one thing when i just use liquid and i planted digging up seed and there's just worms everywhere and that population has really gone down, so that's that's the drawback. But uh, I guess can't have everything. I, <laughs> I know it. Well, that is like you say with no-till. A lot of times, the more, especially the more you get into that, you just get so many earthworms out there, which is a great thing. I guess if you lose a couple, it's probably not the end of the world. But yeah, always something to think about with uh, with production. Now, are you mainly corn and soybeans, Pat, or do you do any hay or anything else? Now we're just corn, soybeans, just a 50-50 rotation, and it seems to work well for me. Yeah, yeah, I, I like that too. We we uh, put some alfalfa back into our rotation now with a neighboring dairy, and that was kind of nice. It was almost like losing acres because they would come and cut it, so we just had to spray, and that spraying goes pretty fast, especially when you're in alfalfa because you can get out there pretty much any day, but... Uh, yeah, always something, always something to do, and that corn soybean rotation has been pretty nice, especially in a no-till situation, man and residue and so forth. Do you chop it, or how do you how do you deal with it? Because you guys raise some pretty nice corn most years where you're at. Yeah, that's the thing. I guess the residue kind of builds up ahead of the bean planting, but uh, I don't know. I've been able to manage it. Just to have a corn head with the chopping knives and sure. And, uh, it works, I guess. I would like maybe try some Calmer rolls, but I haven't spent that money yet. <laughs> yeah, all these things are free, Pat. So uh, <laughs> I know if somebody said, "Hey, you can have any farm equipment you want, and it's free," we'd probably all make a few changes out there too. But yes, that's a fact. Well, Pat, great talking to you. I, I, I'm glad you're almost done with harvest. I know that that's always a good feeling when you get everything in the bin. But uh, good luck to you as you get going on the soil sampling and the rest of the program. All right. Thank you very much. You know, it is one thing, and Pat brings up that good point, that uh, managing residue is 
uh, a challenge sometimes when we get done earlier and you've got a little bit more heat left. And, and I'm saying this as somebody with 50 degree daytime highs right now, but it'll warm back up a little bit. I have no doubt there'll be uh, another little warm stretch that we'll have. The earlier we can get done, the better chance we have of getting that residue to at least start breaking down. And, you know, in the no-till situation, you don't have the chance to throw a little dirt onto things. Uh, but but for us, a lot of times we'll end up with a cover crop or whatnot, and just the, the matter of seeding that cover crop uh, rolling through there and getting just a little bit of dirt on that residue has made a huge, huge difference for us too. Yeah, lots of different ways to do things. And on your farm, you're probably thinking about some of those things this year as you're driving the combine through the field, thinking, what did I do right? What could I do different? How could I make more money or, or make things work a little smoother for me for next year? And that's that's a big deal. This time of year, I know we were already talking about this. When can we get together? Just everybody that was out in the fields this fall, let's put our heads together. Let's see what anybody noticed and, and try and come up with those solutions. Uh, I, I'd encourage you, even if you don't have somebody bounce ideas off of you, get together with neighbors or relatives that are farming and, and do the same thing, even if they aren't on your operation and seeing your fields. Just hearing what others are thinking about and challenges they ran into and how they handled the similar weather conditions to what you had is, is a big deal. Brian and I were talking earlier today and he was struggling with something and and I said, well, what about this? Have you ever looked at it this way? And what about this? And pretty soon we came up with an idea and he goes, man, that just made me think about when we were growing up and he said, when we were, we were just getting to be like teenagers. And he said, I remember one time talking to dad about something It was, it was above my level, but he was sharing this information and, and just kind of putting it out there like, huh, I'm struggling with this decision and what I do. And, and Brian said, even with my elementary, um, uh, understanding of what was going on. I said, well, what if we did this? Or what if we did this first and, and then this second or something? And just threw out a couple of different things that uh, he said, you know, maybe maybe some of them would just never work, but it was enough to get dad thinking. He goes, man, he goes, you know what? They, I could do things that way. I don't have to do it like this. I could try it a different way. And uh, he'd made the comment. He goes, man, that was really helpful to, to just have that conversation. So I, I would strongly recommend getting a team around you, whether it's your agronomist and uh, other people that you work with or, or just neighbors or friends or whatnot, get together, go through things. We get a rainy day today here. And uh, I know that that's a good time to slow down just a little bit and start talking about thinking about uh, all the things that are going on out in the field as well. It's Farmer Friday, so it's a great time if you want to chat with me about it. You sure can call. Our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD. You can also email us, radio at agphd.com. Uh, get an email, Janelle, if you want to jump into the Ag PhD mailbag. It's the mailbag! This one came in from John up in Michigan. And he said, in a recent Ag PhD Insider magazine, you had an article on winter wheat and weed control. And one of the products that you talked about was prepare uh, and using that pre. And I looked at the label, and I was surprised the restrictions for oats and alfalfa well, it was over 18 months. And I, I do hear you talk about oats sometimes, uh, especially as a cover crop on your farm. And, and we do the same thing. So prepare might not be the best option for us. Well, you know, John, there's uh, 
what's interesting on, on ag chem labels, and we have to follow the label, is sometimes they just don't have a major crop, like oats is not a huge acre crop, and they just don't do much more work on it. It doesn't take much to get a label with an 18-month crop rotational restriction, but if they want to get a one-month restriction, they've got to do a lot of testing, and it costs a lot of money. And sometimes chemical companies are like, man, nobody's rotating to oats. Why would we spend millions of dollars to try to prove it has a one-month restriction or something like that? So that could be part of it. I, I really don't expect a big issue. But, you know, Prepare is an ALS herbicide, and there are some varieties of oats that are more susceptible to, to damage from ALS-type products, too. So I do get that. We're often using Prepare at such a low rate. A lot of times we'll use two-tenths of an ounce on our farm on our higher pH ground, and it works quite well. And I don't think it lasts that long, but yep, you got to follow the labels. Thanks for the feedback, John. We really appreciate it. Stay tuned. Insects have reigned since the dawn of time. Adapted to their surroundings. Experienced the harshest climates and toughest challenges until now. With two modes of action, Ridgeback Insecticide delivers one devastating outcome for soybean aphids. Extinction from your fields. They may have lived through it all, but they won't survive this. End soybean aphids reign at ridgeback.corteva.us. Morton Buildings has served the American farmer for more than 120 years. From manufacturing our own building components to constructing your building, Morton takes pride in being the industry leader in post-frame construction by providing a quality building and exceptional customer service. A Morton is built to last for generations. To get started on your next project, please visit mortonbuildings.com. Just because your combine is one brand doesn't mean its cornhead should be the same, especially when it costs you yield. Drago cornheads are engineered to harvest more. Lowest profile saves ears, self-adjusting deck plates save kernels, longer knife rollers reduce trash, and aggressive gathering chains pick up stocks. No other cornhead works like a Drago or pays you back like one. Get the best deals of the season through December 15th. Learn more at dragooffers.com. Effortlessly manage your farm fertility with Verify. Verify takes yield data directly from your combine and instantly generates variable rate fertility maps based on your nutritional goals. Whether it's building soil, balancing nutrition, or maintaining fertility. And with full integration with John Deere Operations Center, Verify can send recommendations directly to application equipment, no matter the color. Join Verify today at Verify.com and keep your farm moving. Go long for season-long foliar disease protection that starts at plant. Only Zyway brand fungicides from FMC provide season-long foliar disease protection from the start. Active ingredient flutriafol moves through your corn plants as they grow for inside-out protection from roots to tassel. Growers and retailers are sharing their Zyway brand fungicide success stories at zyway.ag.fmc.com. Always read and follow all label directions. Growing up on the farm, I woke up as early as mom and dad. I put as many hours on the tractor, changed as many teeth on the tiller as my brothers. It doesn't matter if you're young or old, man or woman. When there's work to be done, you put your boots on and you do it. I do that on my farm and in my job at Case IH. My name is Kelsey, I'm a farmer, and I work for Case IH. 
Case IH, built by farmers. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio on a Farmer Friday. Our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD. Got Jeff down in Iowa on with us right now. Jeff, how's it going? Going good, Darren. How about you? Well, doing pretty well. Doing pretty well. We got the harvest done here, so that that's a big thing for us. How about down in your area? How are you guys coming? Oh, we're uh, we're about pretty much done with beans. We got one field left for a neighbor, and then uh, we'll start in corn around here. Um, some of the high moisture corn guys are done, uh, wrapping up pretty well, and and uh, some standard green corn is starting to run now, also within the last week. Sure. Sure. How's everything going? Are you happy with yields this year for what you got for rainfall? Yeah, we were extremely short on rain in this part of the world, and uh, for what we're seeing for yields are are very surprising, at least on the good dirt. Now, if you've got some lighter soil with some rock under it instead of some deep dirt, uh, you can about outline those on your yield maps like a red crayon. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. Yeah, we saw the same thing up here where, where we had those lighter areas, lower organic matter areas. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't, I would trade them for almost anything. <laughs> it wouldn't take much. Yeah, they were, they're quite variable in the fields, especially on the beans this year. We were anywhere from, we had to monitor over 100 bushel in areas and we had monitored down to 35 in areas, you know, and that's how you come up with averages. But uh, you could definitely see the light spots in any farm. Uh, the good farms really shine. The ones with poor ground kind of hurt the average. And from what I'm hearing on corn, it's uh, very surprising yield-wise, uh, considering, again, the, the dryness. Uh, not much off of last year, which is kind of a surprise. But it also, again, depends if you had deep dirt underneath it or not. Yeah. And you know, the, the thing we've been talking about today, and we've hit this from a couple of farmers, earlier planting seemed like it paid more this year for a lot of guys. How about for you? Did you notice a difference on the beans with planting date at all or, or the corn with the guys that have gotten started? Absolutely. Um, the early planted beans did uh, definitely did better. The later ones obviously uh, struggled with moisture early on in germination. We actually saw some replant uh, a little bit in this area just because they got in late enough and uh, one of those years, unfortunately, with cover crops was not, not the way to shine. You know, we've done cover crops for years, and getting it in early this year made a difference in the later planted stuff with cover crops. Uh, was a little more of a struggle. Uh, but, again, that's one year out of several that it hasn't been that kind of a problem. Yeah, yeah, and, and you're right. In, in farming, we look at, okay, over a 10-year time period, uh, if something's the right answer, 9 out of 10, it's generally the right answer. Uh, even even though there's going to be one time that it gets you that yeah early planting you know what a late frost that's it might not be the greatest thing in the world but most years it turns out pretty good uh, any big changes that you had or any big trials that you had that you've said ooh I was waiting to see how this was going to turn out or is that yet to come uh, we did have some that got frosted there in that uh, early June period where that frost came across uh, all the way I believe from Michigan out into Central Iowa. Um, in that early June, we had some get knocked down, stand probably on beans in that uh, 70, 80,000 range. I was really concerned about those being very low, and they were actually better than I expected. They ended up somewhere in the low to mid 50s, uh, considering knocking that much out of a stand. I was I was pleased with that. Um, I have got some nitrogen trials running for ISU this year. 
that I haven't got into yet on corn, but uh, really looking forward to kind of you know, walking out, looking at them. There's some real differences. We ran some zero rates, uh, 60, 80, 120, and 150, and uh, uh, you could certainly see the zero all year long in that field. <laughs> I bet I'm you could. Kind of curious to, <laughs> kind of curious to see where where it goes this year. And of course, we put that along the road, so everybody's asking questions, but uh, that's good. Hey, you know what would be really interesting? I'm not sure if they're going to do this. Are are they going to do this, or are you going to just pull soil samples at the end to see what's left in the soil at the various rates? I am not sure if they are going to do that or not. I believe they are because they've come out and sampled uh, multiple times uh, through the growing season until obviously it got tall enough where you really couldn't get to it decently. Um, I know they wanted to do some leaf tissue samples, and they've done those. Uh, uh, so I'm assuming, I guess I'm not positive on that, that they'll be back for soil samples. And, and uh, I you know, kind of piqued my interest there, too. I guess I'm probably going to ask them if they're going to come do that because that would be uh, something to learn. Well, the reason that I asked that is the state just north of you did some work kind of like this where they did a zero rate and they had more nitrate left where they did the zero rate than when they put on 200 pounds. And they thought, ah, oh, it must be a sampling error. Well, they just didn't have the corn out there to pull it in. They didn't raise much of a yield. And right. the, then everything that mineralized late in the season, we had, well, you had plenty of heat this year. I bet you got good mineralization out there. I'm just curious. I, maybe it won't turn out that way, but I know the guys uh, just north of you, they were kind of surprised by that. And I'm just curious to see if that's how it'd be in Iowa too. Well, I will definitely ask them to see if they can come do that because that does pique my interest a little bit there also. I mean, we've got, a lot of nitrogen available in the soil profile. We've been no-till and cover crops for many, many years, and uh, it's just a matter of getting hold of it. So I'm curious what is left out there uh, after after this year. That, yeah, that well, makes good sense to, to learn. Well, thanks for doing the trial work. That I know it's, uh, well, especially looking at the zero rate. <laughs> I know I wouldn't want to look at that all year, but you know what? you got to do that in some strips here and there to, to really learn. So thanks for doing that, and if you get some cool results, we'd love to hear back from you too. Oh, absolutely. We'll let you know. Awesome. Well, thanks, Jeff. We really appreciate the call today, and, and good luck here as you wrap up harvest. Thanks, Darren. Appreciate it. Bye. Let's head out to Maryland. Got John on with us right now. How's it going, John? Oh, doing great. Doing great, Darren. How are you? Well, doing well. Doing well here. I understand you want to talk a little about short corn. Did you have some of the short corn on your farm, or are you just kind of curious about what, what's out there? You know, I am I just got to tell you, I am... I, I really like the idea of it. I went to a few field days, and uh, I love the idea about the fact that, you know, we're not really raising silage anymore. Let's put the energy into the ear, and I, I do like that. Um, but my only concern after thinking about it is the fact that I, with regular corn, you get a really good canopy, and that really, really helps things out quite a bit. And... I'm just curious if what you've been finding too is that is it more prone later to late season weeds with shorter corn? 
Well, that's a great question. And you look at what Stein did when they were promoting shorter corn, they went to narrower rows as well. And I think that's probably a good strategy to put together. You know, for our area, we get worried because we get so dry here that, and we don't have irrigation, that uh, stuff's going to shorten up. And uh, I know what Stein had found. They didn't like when they got down to five foot tall corn, the ear was too close to the ground. And mm-hmm. uh, it if it shortened up at all over a sandy knoll or something like that it was just it just wasn't tall enough for farmers to like it but they really liked when they got down to like seven foot tall corn that seemed to work quite well and had a decent root system they thought the four and five foot tall corn just didn't have near as many roots as the seven and eight foot tall corn did but i can see for your area when you're concerned about hurricanes and storms and those kinds of things, being you don't need 13 foot tall corn if you're not doing silage. Why not? Why not shorten that up in half? Focus on the ear. I I like that idea. I really do. I, I think you may have to go to to a narrower row spacing than thir- Are you guys in 30s right now? Yeah, and they were also talking about you know ideally that it's kind of a gateway to higher population corn too by being shorter. You know, so that's I can see that argument. Obviously, more more stalks you got out there, the less sunlight's going to peek through the row, the less opportunity for for uh, weeds to germinate in between. But uh, I I don't know. I just I raise sweet corn too, and I know once I get that ear off, the weeds certainly take over. And granted, yeah. I'm doing sweet corn at like twenty five to twenty seven thousand, but uh, you know, but that's that's the end of July. But there's you're doing field corn. There's a lot of time left over. There is a lot of time. You're you're absolutely right. That's a point not many people bring up. But I'd say this too, John, just to wrap up. I I would say tell the seed corn company guys the same thing that I tell them. I say, you know what? It's nice that you're messing around with how tall or short the corn is. What I really want is for you just to put a consistent second ear on there. That's what I need. That'll make me money and make me happy. If we can get to two ear corn, uh, now we're talking. Now we got something fun to discuss. Hey, John, thanks thanks for the call. We really appreciate it. You know, on the short corn, we will definitely be talking about that more because there's certainly a lot of buzz about that in the industry. Stay tuned. We'll be right back after this. It takes balance to be successful in farming because what you get out of it depends on what you put in. And Corteva AgriScience gets that. Introducing Nutricia and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer, a biological product that naturally captures nitrogen from the air. It's a sustainable way to add balance to your traditional nitrogen methods and maximize your yield potential. Embrace a balanced approach to nitrogen management this season by visiting Corteva.us. From machine storage buildings and farm shops to dependable buildings to house your livestock, regardless of building size or use, Morton has a building for every budget. To learn how we can help you expand your farm operation, visit mortonbuildings.com. Take your tillage to the next level with the Insight Universal Tillage Tool from McFarland Ag. With more adjustability and flexibility, the Insight is the ultimate one-pass tillage tool. Visit mcfarlandag.com to find your closest dealer. If you've ever wondered how the Farmall got its name, here's an abbreviated list of the jobs the Case IH Farmall can do. Baling, cutting hay, feeding, hauling, loading, pulling, raking, cleaning barn, mixing feed, fertilizing, mowing, chopping, seeding, clearing, irrigating, furrowing, cultivating, hitching, digging, emergency tow, harrowing, hoisting, leading parades, excavating, grading. 
Let's make it simple. This tractor does it all. So no matter what you're doing, can do comes in red. Farmall. Learn more at caseih.com slash farmall. It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. Are you ready? We got the need! The need for seed treatment! Start your engines! Ready, set, Intego! Start your season strong with Intego Sweet Soybeans, Intego Fungicide Soybeans, and Intego Sweet Cereals OF from Valent USA. Ask your Valent rep about seed treatment solutions or visit valent.com slash Intego. Always read and follow label instructions. When nematode pressure mounts, Seed Applied Trunemco provides assurance. Growers using Trunemco are seeing a difference from early plant vigor to improved soybean and cotton yield. Impressive results are everywhere, and we want to hear about yours. You could win $20,000 and be named a Trunemco Elite Grower. Don't delay. Contest ends October 31st. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited. See full rules. Learn more at newfarm.com USST. Back, you're listening to Ag PhD Radio on a Farmer Friday. Our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD, and you can always email us, radio at agphd.com. Got a cool email here. This one comes in from Brendan out in Idaho, and he said, First off, guys, enjoy your show. Uh, I often have long drives, and I enjoy listening to your show uh, either live or on podcast. I, I finally got my chance to farm this fall. Yeah, it's not a huge farm. I'm down in southeast Idaho. I'm raising soft white winter wheat, generally around 30 to 50 bushels in this area. Um, work in agriculture, and so making these decisions uh, is not new to me. But making these decisions on a budget, well, that's the first time in my life I can say that I do but I also don't know what I'm doing. So here's my soil test. Just curious what you think. I've got a very small fertilizer budget. I'm willing to spend 30 bucks an acre on fertilizer. I wish I had more, but I just don't. It's my first year. So my first inclination is to put my money towards nitrogen and sulfur. What do you guys think? Well, it is a pretty small budget, Brendan, and it doesn't allow you to really fix big things out in the fields, but it may be enough to allow you to put the crop in and and um, stay with that 30 to 50 bushel yield goal that you're going for. You know, as I look across your soil test, I, I see the pH is 7.7, which, you know, leads to a number of questions. Why is it 7.7? We don't see a whole lot of sodium out there. Uh, we don't see leachable nutrients holding up in the soil, those types of things. Um, but just kind of curious what's going on there. But in the meantime, since we don't really have the money to, to try and fix things anyway, let's work with what we've got. Here's one of the good things. Uh, we've got a, a potassium-based saturation of anywhere from 7 to 9. So we've got, got quite a bit of potassium out there. The parts per million are in the mid-300s. That's wonderful. We don't have to spend money on potash, and potash is expensive. So that's great. 
Uh, the labs are recommending you put out a little bit of nitrogen and a little bit of phosphate and a little bit of sulfur and then throw some zinc out there too. I can't say I disagree with what they're doing. The zinc is is really low. It's really low. It's less than a part per million. So do I think that it's worth battling the zinc? I do. I also think it's worth putting some boron out there because that's at about a half a part per million. Um, so for me, I, I may look at a, a manganese, zinc, boron type micronutrient application in addition to what you do with nitrogen and phosphorus. But yeah, I do think you need the nitrogen. I do think you need some phosphorus out there. And sulfur would be a great thing too. Uh, looking at your parts per million, they are really low. They're like three parts per million or something for sulfate. You will get a little bit for free out of your organic matter mineralization, but not much. So yeah, nitrogen, phosphorus, and sulfur for sure. And if you can do some micros as well, I would strongly recommend that. Uh, just looking at crop removal for those yield goals, you probably need uh, about what they're recommending here, around 40 pounds of nitrogen and around 20 of phosphate, something like that. You're going to remove roughly 15 or 20. So yeah, I, I could go with exactly what you got there. Uh, the next things though, I, I would say with, you know, getting started in farming, I, I look at it this way and I get it. It's your first year. So you only have what you have and you only have, I mean, the money that you've got, but I look at, okay, if I could raise 60 bushel wheat instead of 30 to 50, would I have more money in the budget? Yes. So maybe you take a few strips and do a little bit of trial work of pushing things just a little bit harder. I, I love that you're also an agronomist and you've, you kind of understand, all right, here's what you should do. And then you look at it from the farmer standpoint. Okay, here's how much money I have and here's how much risk I'm willing to take. This is a great time. I, I remember for myself when I bought my first piece of ground and it wasn't my dad's ground or anything like that. It was mine and I could do anything I wanted out there. I couldn't afford to do everything that I wanted, but I could, you know, do some things. That was really where it got real for me of, okay, would I recommend this to someone else? What would I recommend if it was somebody else coming to me saying, here's my soil test, what should I do? And then what am I willing to do? What am I willing to do on the crop protection front? All those things. So, you know, I don't know what you have for equipment, if you're doing the spraying yourself and so forth, but what whatever you're going to do here, this is a great learning opportunity for you. And hopefully, yes, you can make some money on it too. I, I always joke, I think it's fun, people that are in research and in our industry, whether that's from a fertilizer standpoint or a crop protection standpoint, whatever uh, side of the business they're in, I just wish that everybody had a little bit of farm ground so that we all thought more like the farmer and understood what the farmer is doing for decisions. I think that's been one of the greatest things for Brian and me that our dad kind of put us in this spot to be able to make decisions on you know, his farm to start with, but now Brian and I each own our own ground and have for many years. And now it's really fun just to see, okay, uh, we know what we should do and we've got the ground. Are we willing to stick our own dollars in it? So it'll be fun, be fun, Brendan, as you make these decisions, stay in touch. We'd love to help out along the way and give you some ideas of what you might try, but make sure you're always trying a couple of different things, at least just so you learn so you can push forward and Honestly, it gives you a great amount of material to talk with other farmers that you work with as well. Uh, 
The other thing, too, is talk with your neighbors. Get to know them well and see what they're doing and share information back and forth. It, it really helps to understand what other guys are doing because a lot of times we'll come up with this great idea and we'll get talking to a friend or a neighbor that, well, I did that and here's what I found or I did that and here's the tweak that I had to make to make that thing work. That stuff's really valuable. And my dad always said there's a difference between smart farmers and wise farmers. And he says smart farmer is one that makes a mistake, learns from it, doesn't make it again. But a wise farmer is one that talks to the smart farmers, figures out what they did wrong, and doesn't make that mistake in the first place. Now you got your own dollars on the table, Brendan, so time to be a wise farmer and, and learn from others uh, and don't waste any of that hard-earned money. Hey, thanks for the email. Really appreciate it and good luck to you. Got this one from Bob over in Illinois, and he said, Hey, guys, uh, really happy overall with, with yields. They're surprisingly good for what we had for rainfall and weather conditions this year. I'm looking at seed corn purchases for next season and thinking about new traits. I'm hearing about this VT4 Pro that also has rootworm protection in addition to the above-ground protection in Tricepta, which I have liked. Uh, is this a good choice for me? Also, I've got another dealer that's talking about power core enlist corn. Can you tell me just a little about that? And is that something that I should consider? I do have some rootworms, but I can put on insecticide as well. Hey, Bob, thanks for the questions. We really appreciate it. Yeah, there, there are a couple new exciting traits coming out. Um, let me talk about the power core enlist first. So power core enlist has got above ground insect protection. Um, and I'm excited about that. It's got protection for black cutworms from corn borers, uh, fall army worm, that type of thing. That's wonderful. It also adds herbicide tolerance to Roundup, Liberty, Enlist, and the FOPs. Now, the FOPs would be uh, grass killers, volunteer corn killers, uh, like Assure2, which is Quizala FOP. So all those FOPs, they, they end... Um, the active ingredient ends in FOP. Anyway, I think from a weed control standpoint, uh, I'm excited about that, having those extra options. I think the Enlist, you'll be able to spray up to V8. So that, that gives you some different options on weed control, and the above-ground pest control is fantastic. No below-ground pest control with PowerCore Enlist. What I saw this year in the drought conditions that we had in the western corn belt here is I didn't think the power corn list had enough drought tolerance to come into central South Dakota. But I think it was fine for Iowa and, and Minnesota, and I'm sure for Illinois it's going to have enough tolerance to handle drought in your area. But, it man, it's got some good top end if you get it on the really good ground and you have water. Uh, the VT4 Pro, we did look at some of that in our research plots this year. Uh, that's a new trait, so you're right. It stacks Tricepta, which is as good a above-ground package as there is out there on the market. And then it adds in the RNAi, which is the second active ingredient in SmartStacks Pro. I'm nervous about that. I want to see a little more uh, of the data come in this fall, but that's only one mode of action for rootworm control. So I'm glad you said you could put on insecticide. I would recommend a full rate of insecticide with either of those two traits that you use in your geography, just to make sure we don't have any problems. I do like that RNAi though. I think it's going to be really good. I really do like SmartStacks Pro. Those hybrids look fantastic this year. Hey, thanks, Bob. Really appreciate the question. And thanks to you for listening today. Be sure to join us again each weekday 
for more Ag PhD Radio.